Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond Thought Philosophy Podcast. My name is Joseph Theodore, your host. Thank you so very much for tuning in today. I hope you're all doing well. Now, today I'm going to be talking about existence precedes essence, which is a very, very important piece of philosophy, something I think all humans should contemplate, and comes from the school of thought of existentialism. Now, I don't see this episode being over an hour, even though you probably already know how long it is, but I'm, you know, as I'm recording this, uh, what I would like to cover today is not, you know, something that's worthy of two plus hours, even though I am in the future planning on discussing very, very heavy topics of philosophy that will, one, go well over an hour per episode, but, you know, kind of, there's too much to pack in to one episode, generally speaking, about a topic as huge, for example, as existentialism. But there's a nice blurb that I have here. I took a lot of notes, or enough notes for today, on this philosophical view existence precedes essence which if you know me from all of my work thus far here on the channel you know people who have been with me a long time who hopefully are enjoying this new shift into the podcast space with me you know that i take an opposite approach to a lot of stuff you know meaning things that i subscribe to and really put a lot of time and effort and meditation and belief into even, not so much in the skepticism of what, you know, personally I identify with as truth. This is completely the opposite of that. This is a claim that existence precedes essence, where essence, which to me would be the ground of being of what animates all life, you know, we can call this the source, we can call this, you know, that link between the source and consciousness itself, how that essence is what births us into existence. And then while we're in this dream or this reality of duality and existence, you know, of material uh, forms and ideas and conditions, and again, whatever cosmic and human story, why this is all occurring, again, the biggest question mark of all time. But from my school of philosophy, you know, my own personal, again, a majority of my work, let's just leave it there, over the past couple of years has been in understanding more deeply, for example, things such as non-duality, and mainly a lot of that influences from my background in um, Zen Buddhist meditation. And in Zen Buddhism, there's a very heavy emphasis on non-dualism which would state the essence, which is unknowable, is what births phenomena. What we would call life, what would we, what we would call even our self. That the self is an illusion. 
Now, in existentialism, we're talking about a very human, a very human philosophy. It is strictly interested in the human existence, the human story, and meaning. The meaning of our lives, the meaning of what we're doing here. What is the meaning of our existence as an individual? So for many of you who are heavy into spirituality, who are heavy into the things that I've been talking about here for a long time, um, you know, existentialism is probably something you've never, you know, even thought of exploring. Maybe you've never heard of it before. Um, I'm sure people will come to this podcast episode who are very familiar with this philosophy. And these philosophies, all philosophy is an ever-growing process of understanding, learning, questioning, meditating upon, researching. Even some of the greatest academics, you know, still toil and toss around a lot of these ideas. Or else they still wouldn't be doing it. They wouldn't be talking about it. They wouldn't be showing up on other podcasts or writing books still on this stuff. If we all had it figured out. But... So the people out there who have been on this journey with me who are super spiritual and again, don't really, you know, maybe haven't even dove at all into the ocean of, you know, Western classical philosophy, which it's actually really amazing because I come from a background more of Eastern thought and that's really what got me started on, you know, my philosophical and truth seeking journey, you know, within Buddhism and, you know, uh, Zen and it's amazing to, when you actually study the entire, you know, the collective ideas of the world and of our past, you know, you see so much similarities between, you know, like for example, in, ex in some existentialism and some phenomenology, there's so many Buddhist ideas, like this nothingness, you know, in, um, in existentialism, this, this idea of a nothingness, which people mistake as nihilism. You know, people mistake Buddhism as nihilism because they won't go beyond a certain point of their philosophical debate. You know, because everyone wants to know that they're going to a fluffy heaven and stuff like that. But yeah, for anyone out there who's been with me, again, I feel like I'm saying this over and over again, some of these philosophical systems have their place in all of our lives and that's the one thing i think i said in my last episode is when you really break down all the schools of thought they all come from a place in our world of human conditioning from our place in the world of our experience so existentialism is literally a form of philosophical inquiry that explores the issue of human existence Existentialist philosophers explore questions related to the meaning, purpose, and value of, of human existence. So it's very heavily focused on our human dilemmas, the chaos of being a human, um, the reason why we seek, the reason why we're constantly inclined 
to attachment and what we can do about that. Common concepts in existential thought um, can include the existential crisis, which we all know about, which, you know, dread, anxiety in the face of an absurd world. The word absurd is used a lot philosophically, like in a very academic way within existentialism. And that's really interesting when you dive into the, like this, literally it's called the absurdity, like in existentialism, like you can be at a extremely intelligent like lecture one night with somebody, a philosopher or an academic, and they'll talk about something called the absurdity, which is literally just how the world constantly doesn't make sense. Like to the, to, like most of us walk around the world sometimes and shake our heads. We don't know why things happen to us. And sometimes we completely have like these dark night of the soul psyche moments and to the existentialist, this is part of the absurdity of life, how, you know, on just the chaos that it can, that, that we can be thrown into and how essentially, you know, they believe we're just thrown into existence or what is this? What is, why are we thrown into existence? You know, these are big questions for the existentialists. We're thrown into existence to make something of our lives. And because existentialists really kind of stiff arm God and the tribal God, really, you know, the God of, um, you know, the man in the sky who judges all of us type of God, they're more interested in what is the purpose of human existence? What could we do to live the best that we can to bring value to others and ourselves? How do we find meaning and purpose based upon just the psyche and inclinations and actions and reactions of our natural state, you know, being a human, psychologically speaking. So there's concepts of free will as well, you know, discussing free will. Do we really have free will or is, are we really just in a world in a, in a reality where, you know, we have to just make choices, but the will, like, what is this will, right? Like religious people say the will of God is why we're here and we have choices that we must do to obey this God. But human free will, is this a real thing or do we just have choice? Are we really just enslaved to the absurdity of the world we're thrown into and all we really have in this world is to do the best we can to find meaning, purpose, and value in our lives? And another big, another three big things that are very, very important in existentialism is authenticity, courage, and virtue. So really taking your life seriously when it comes to your day-to-day -day affairs or when it comes to your, your work or what you feel like you, or what you are meant to give back to this world. Because I do feel we're all meant to give something back in this world. Even the sage on the side of the road is supposed to be a witness of holiness. That's the purpose and meaning of that person's human existence. And that person should know that about themselves. And that's important for all of us to understand. And this is why I really, when I try to talk to spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual people or new agey types, you know, they're, uh, you know, they, they preach this authenticity and all this stuff, right? But, but what they don't, 
really understand is that with too much emphasis on the imaginative, on the unseen, which again, we can contemplate and have discussions on the hidden, the hidden existence behind the reality we're aware of. We can talk about consciousness. We could talk about God and source and all that other stuff. But I love when I talk to other spiritual new agey type of people because they always forget to come back to planet Earth, to come back into their body and to realize that they need meaning and purpose and how they need to be, you know, aware that that's part of being a human is if you don't have meaning and purpose authenticity courage and virtue which a lot of the new age movements don't have virtue in my opinion there's a lot of morals and ethics that go out the window to fulfill a, a narcissistic you know type of blueprint essentially because yes we should worry about the self we should we should be um you know taking care of ourself and putting up boundaries or whatever hell, you know, mindfulness words you want to use. But we need to take this seriously. We need to take our human existence seriously. And in existentialism, it's very important to kind of remove the fantasies of what could be, meaning like God or, you know, anything that's metaphysical, so to speak, but even though existential, existentialism definitely explores metaphysical stuff, like the, even the question of being a human is in question of why this is. But at the end of the day, existentialism is very, very focused. On humanity. Having meaning in life without anything else aside from the fact that you are human. And that we can find meaning and purpose through being rational, logical, having reason. And yes, exploring very, very deep things as well you know, like the mind and consciousness and what I want to talk about today, existence precedes essence, where many other philosophers um, dating back to Aristotle, you know, where that's kind of where it began, I believe, where Aristotle was essence precedes existence, that there's an essence in this world that allows existence to be, including the human, and the human must then exist because of this essence. Where an existentialist believes that, no, we are thrown into this world against our will, so to speak. We are, and it's, and it's the human's job through choices in its life to bring meaning and purpose and identity and value as that human grows, therefore building its own essence as a result. So this is still true. Existence precedes essence. So I'm not arguing that this is not false.
Because like I said, all philosophies have their truth within the human story. So let me start reading some things to you guys that I have written down. And existence precedes essence. I mean, this was um, first originated by a guy named F.W.J. Schelling. And he delivered a speech in December 1841. Probably in Germany, where all the great philosophers, all this, you know... <laughs> A large chunk of modern philosophy that really is, you know, kind of set the stage of some of the most profound thought ever, as far as we know, started really in Germany. It's quite crazy. But um, but also a philosopher, author, Jean-Paul Sartre. He really is what made this popular in the mainstream at the time. So let's, or let me read to you a little bit. The proposition that existence precedes essence is a central claim of existentialism which reverses the traditional philosophical view that the essence, quote on in parentheses, the nature of a thing is more fundamental and immutable than its existence. And then there's parentheses, the mere fact of its being. So the essence is supposed to be the nature and the existence is the mere fact of it being, Right? in manifested form. So that's always been the traditional view, going back to Aristotle, that essence, the nature of a thing, is more fundamental than the immutable and immutable than its existence, the mere fact of its being. Next sentence. To existentialists, human beings, through their consciousness, create their own values and determine a meaning for their life because the human being does not possess any inherent identity or value. That identity or value must be created by the individual. By posing the acts that constitute them, they make their existence more significant. So like I just said earlier, the idea, this idea originates from a gentleman, F.W.J. Schelling, but then Soren Kierkegaard was present, you know, he was present at that occasion. Um, and he probably spoke about that as well. I'm not really too familiar with Kierkegaard's work, but it wasn't until Jean-Paul Sartre in the 20th century really made this, you know, really stuck it in the ground and made people notice it. And he had a lecture called Existentialism is a Humanism. And he was influenced a lot by 
a philosopher last name Heidegger, which I'm sure many of you might know. And he wrote a book called Being in Time. And then Jean-Paul wrote a book called Being in Nothingness to really stake his claim on what he thinks about the whole truth behind maybe existentialism. Even though all these philosophers have very powerful things to say and definitely are all valid within existential thought, it's just Jean-Paul really wrote on this existence precedes essence more. And Jean-Paul was definitely more atheist. He was more, uh, doesn't believe in religion, you know, very humanist, you know, which is important. Which is important. So for Jean-Paul, existence precedes essence, not only defines and determines his own existential thinking or interpretation of existentialism, but also any thinking or philosophizing that declares itself to be existential. Despite Jean-Paul's later efforts to distance himself from this thinking, because of course he had to distance himself, he probably didn't like how maybe popular it was getting, or maybe he was changing his uh, ways of looking at life, who knows. Um, I'm sure some of you may know who come who are coming to this you know podcast episode. Because for an existentialist like Jean Paul, you have to understand the human condition, the human story, the human way forward is really what matters to him most. And most existentialists, I believe, you know, they're very humanist. Purpose and freedom is also very important. You know, it's pretty much the most important thing. It's how to be free as a human. Free in all the ways possible. but also not being ignorant to the truth of the chaos of it all and how us humans are nothing but that as well who has to do their best to make something of oneself. So even if you have belief in God or religion, if you have any religious background, whatever, we all have these issues. We all have existential anxiety and dread. doesn't matter how much you believe. This is still valid for all of our lives. These thoughts, this doesn't have to be your Bible, the existentialist viewpoint of life. This doesn't have to be that for you. But it is a fact of life that this is stuff we go through. And this can really help anybody in their life who is trying to maybe even understand more about life or just more about themselves and where they fit in to life or where they don't fit into life. So Jean-Paul's claim is best understood in contrast to the scholastic thesis that 
essence precedes existence. A typical claim for this traditional thesis would be that a human is essentially selfish or that they're essentially a rational being. To Jean-Paul, existence precedes essence means that a personality is not built from a previously designed model or for a precise purpose because it is the human being who chooses to engage in such enterprise. While not denying the constraining conditions of human existence, he answers to Spinoza, who affirmed that people are determined by what surrounds them. Therefore, to Jean-Paul, an oppressive situation is not intolerable in itself, but once regarded as such by those who feel oppressed, the situation becomes intolerable. So he's saying an oppressive situation is not intolerable in itself, right? But once regarded as such, once we put that meaning to that, those who feel oppressed will automatically become intolerant of it. So by projecting intentions onto a present condition, it is the person who freely transforms it into action. So to Jean-Paul, breaking free is massive. What does it mean to be free? And honestly, when it comes down to an existentialist view, and this is just my thought right now, um, as I'm reading this, is that all of life is so, we're so conditioned and bound by everything. That it's very hard to have a sense of purpose and meaning and freedom. So it's the job of the individual to find what it is that will make him free or her free. So you can free yourself in any moment of your life just by changing the way you think about it. And that's a very important point to understand. So Jean-Paul is committed to a radical conception of freedom. Nothing fixes our purpose but we ourselves. Our projects have no weight or inertia except for our own endorsement of them. So without our own efforts or without our own belief in ourselves and hard work and dedication and seriousness, that's the path to finding who we are what we love, what makes us tick, 
what could be most beneficial to the world, and where our sense of purpose and meaning and identity will come from. And then being very authentic in that. You know, not being afraid of being oneself, how you really feel. You know, of course, have morals and ethical values, you know, but in existentialism, there's no room for pretending, there's no room for lies, there's no room for anything else except for doing the best you can to explore and choose precisely things that resonate with you, things that will benefit you and your own self and your identity and your purpose and your meaning. And regardless if you're super spiritual or whatever the case may be in the spiritual sense, you know, if you have a crazy belief behind your meditation practice and you feel you can connect to the oneness of all things, still you're a human being and these concepts are still valid. The existential view is still very important to every one of our lives, even the believers. Because we're all human, whether you believe in or not. Responsibility is also really important. Being responsible for oneself and your actions. Because how else are you supposed to learn? How else are you supposed to grow? How else are you supposed to know authenticity and being and being being truthful and a solid person in this life? Taking accountability for what you do or who you are, you know, at that moment in time. And I'll just read something else here that I wrote down. When it is said that people define themselves, it is often perceived as stating that they that they can wish to be something, anything, a bird, for instance, and then be it. According to Jean-Paul's account, however, this would be a kind of bad faith. What is meant by the statement is that people are, one, defined only insofar as they act, and two, that they are responsible for their actions. To clarify, it can be said that a person who acts cruelly towards another towards other people is by their act, that act defined as a cruel person. And in that same instance, they, as opposed to their genes, for instance, genetics, are defined as being responsible for being this cruel person. And of course, the more positive therapeutic aspect of this also is implied. So you can choose to act in a different way and to be a good person instead of a cruel person. So here, it is also clear that since people can choose to either be cruel or good, they are in fact neither of these things essentially. So being responsible for what is real versus what is unreal in the case of your actions and what you perceive, even of oneself, 
you know, this is stuff that we have to be aware of as people. Like, you can't just be anything you want to be. You can't just pretend you're something. You have to embody it. You have to be it. You have to act it. And you have to be authentic about it or you're lying to yourself. And then from the existentialist point of view, you are... not living a life of meaning. So again, there's a few other things I want to talk about, guys. And, um, you know, again, this isn't like a super, super duper deep dive into Jean-Paul or existentialism in general, but just a taste, you know, and this is a pretty big topic to go over, ex existence precedes essence. But um, but I think you understand, I hope you understand just some of the gist of what I'm trying to get at here is that this belief is that we really don't have an essence as a human being until we start developing ourselves, who we are, what we believe in, being solid in what we believe in. Being solid and confident, honest, authentic, authentic about what we do in, in, in our lives. Like this is what brings us our essence. Even though many philosophers, including myself, to be honest, because the highest truth I believe we are birthed from some kind of an essence. And then we are in existence. And then yes, this still applies. You know, we develop our person, we develop our qualities, we, def we define what means, what, what gives us meaning and purpose in life. But if you haven't noticed, we live in a world where many people don't have purpose, many people don't have meaning, and that's because we have way too many ideologies and way too many um, collectivist movements that are taking people away from even discovering really who they are and just following and going right into some groupthink. Which isn't new, by the way. This stuff's been going on forever. But we live in a time now where, you know, maybe some of these philosophies are going to be useful for people to understand. And existentialism has really, I mean, honestly, it's a very self-focused philosophy, you know, to really contemplate and... and and uh, and research and, you know, think about your, for your own self. You know, this is really, to me, this is really a, uh, you know, a thought system that's very therapeutic, like very, like, get to the heart of, like, your life. You know, belief systems aside, even though there's some very, very deep, transcendent, but very grounded um, perspective still in, in existentialism. I personally am fascinated by it. I really enjoy it. Now, I would talk about the absurdity thing, like I said in the beginning, but I'm going to save that, I think, for like a bigger talk on existentialism, generally speaking. Um, but again, the absurdity, you know, the concept of absurdity is, uh, 
you know, it's it's this focus on the question of human existence and the conditions of existence. And, um, you know, here, I'll just read like a little blurb I have up on my computer. This has nothing to do with my notes or anything. What is meant by existence is the cr- concrete life of each individual and their concrete ways of being in the world. Even though this concrete individual existence must must be the primary source of information in the study of people, certain conditions are commonly held to be endemic to human existence. These conditions are usually in some way related to the inherent meaninglessness of absurdity. So there's there, there's, a, there's a heavy emphasis on meaninglessness of life. It's only us humans that have to bring the will of meaning into the world. So this concept of, of absurdity of the universe and its apparent contrast with our pre-reflexive lives, lived lives, which normally present themselves to us as meaningful. So a central theme in existentialism is that since the world in itself is absurd, chaotic, um, meaning it's not fair all the time, things are, you know, things are out of our control. It's absurd. You know, this is just a heavy word from the past that they love to philosophically throw around. Then a meaningful life can at any point suddenly lose all its meaning. So the whole point of absurdity, the chaos of life, and the meaninglessness of life sometimes is when we are faced as human beings with these very chaotic, absurd, wild things that can happen to us. You know, like losing a career that you've had for 50 years and then you not knowing who you are. Like part of the existentialist's viewpoint and inquiry and contemplations is, you know, that identity and label brought you meaning in your life. But the absurdity and the chaos of the world in and of itself has the power to do this to you. So this is why existentialist explored this because, you know, um, when things happen that are not so good to us, that make us question life, you know, meaning, purpose, identity, our authenticity, you know, um, you know, these can all stem from tragedies that tear a person's life apart. And this stuff can lead us into becoming mentally unstable. And honestly, I really think this is kind of where existentialism started, just from a lot of people who were in this thought group or really contemplated, you know, things more on a human level versus a divine level or, you know, a first principle level of consciousness or God or whatever. These things were very, very important to want to understand this crazy absurdity of life, this chaos, which to me, again, because I study other trains of thought and because I have other belief systems, whatever, like there is an, there is an order, in my opinion, to the chaos. There is a, um, a reason to the things that we don't necessarily understand. And I think the pattern cycles and synchronicities of life kind of point us in a very strange, strange direction. You know, when we really want to talk about the true nature of reality. But when it comes to existentialism, this stuff is very real, very important, and very psychologically important. Um, Even if you just study it, you know, I'm sure a lot of people going through some really tough shit right now 
if they read a little bit of some existential thought, yeah, it may make them a little upset, but at the end of the day, it might provide them with strength and understanding of their human story. And I think if you can ponder existence preceding essence, it could really give you... I feel it can really give you a sense of energy. It can give you maybe energy in your body and in your mind to say, you know what? My life is determined by me and I will bring the essence to the world. I will bring my own personal essence to this world because I am here and I exist. And then a journey should unfold. into solidifying the meaning of that person's life. Now, there is a lot of criticism for Jean-Paul. You know, his de definition of existentialism was pretty much based on Heidegger's magnum opus of being time, being in time. Um, Heidegger was actually, um, sort of like a teacher to Jean-Paul and, um, you know, I think they like stopped maybe becoming friends as they got older <laughs> because, uh, Jean-Paul really started taking another direction. Um, probably a less religious one, a less, a less spiritual one, because I think Heidegger was a little, you know, he had more spiritual stuff going on with his work at times. And uh, so something Heidegger criticized Jean-Paul of is he, Heidegger implied that Jean-Paul misunderstood him for his own purposes of subjectivism and that he did not mean that, that the actions take precedence over being so long as those actions were not reflected upon. Heidegger commented that the reversal of a metaphysical statement remains a metaphysical statement, meaning that the thought Jean-Paul had simply switched the roles traditionally attributed to essence and existence without interrogating these concepts and their history. So again, I think Jean-Paul was just a very, you know, he's a very, very serious humanist. You know, not so much interested in the deeper nature of reality, so to speak, meaning first principle source, the essence that could be birthing existence before, you know, everything. Because like I said, like many thinkers believe essence is what births existence. And what is this essence that we all sort of maybe intuitively feel in our bodies and our minds again? I feel like in the modern age, there's so much inquiry into the nature of consciousness um, and how, you know, we're really getting to that point. Like when you really want to dive deep into the nature of reality, you have to look at the essence before existence. You know, we have to interrogate that because we know things exist, but they all are birthed from consciousness, right? Um and then again, there's all the philosophies that kind of build up to this, you know, this meta discussion of consciousness. But again, Jean-Paul was a very specific thinker in the world of existentialism. He stayed true to this his whole life. He saw the human problem for what it was, what it still is. 
and he really started a whole new conversation in existential thought, really blew it up. You know, he really, really blew it up in the 20th century and really questioned more, I guess you could say spiritual or, you know, kind of woo-woo claims of the essence being this thing that could be divine or could be, you know, whatever, where Jean-Paul is almost like atheist, like, no, the human is all that is, that all that matters. We give meaning to the world. No God gives us meaning. There's no essence that provides us meaning. It is us that gives the world and ourselves meaning. Now, where I'll end all of this conversation today is that when I contemplate some of this stuff, and maybe you caught it at the end there, to me, I could bring a very non-duality kind of viewpoint into this as well. That it's a both and. Existence precedes essence, but essence is part of the existence itself. Therefore, they need each other interconnected. It's a very interconnected process. So this essence that the human can deliver to the world through their identity, through their purpose, through meaning, through their value and, and their authenticity, this ends up becoming the unique essence of that individual. But that unique essence of that individual which essentially is the nature of mind, their minds, that they eventually put into action to make this new them or this identity of themselves and their meaning and their purpose, they make this a manifested form in solid form, as well as mental formations, the way they think and the way they respond to the world. But at the same time, this essence that gets built because of that is one and the same with the essence of the unknowable ground of being as well. So it's even to the atheist existentialists, such as Jean-Paul, existence is part of the essence. So he believes existence precedes the essence we create our essence, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but what I'm saying is, is that existence, yes, precedes the essence as a human, from a human perspective, a finite human perspective, but at the end of the day, the essence that we birth into the world was already there waiting, was already a potential, was already something that could be a truth. And if there is a source, if there is a creator, if there is a God of any kind, again, not the tribal God, but some ground of being that animates all life, animates consciousness, then even this existential view could be a quote-unquote intention of the source, that we are the source in every aspect of it, including our choices, including how we decide to act and live in the world. So I'm going to stop there, guys. I could ramble on more on this, but I really want to leave more for another time to talk about this more deeply. So maybe I'll make a part two 
to this existence precedes essence conversation. Maybe I'll do that, but I do have a video or I'm sorry, a podcast episode strictly on existentialism. And again, I'm going to go through, I'm going to bounce around in a lot of different ways with the episodes, guys. You know, I'll be talking about you know, specific philosophers that I think need to be dissected and shared, um, you know, meaning the individual philosopher himself or herself, then actual philosophies. And then I guess, guys, I'm going to be getting into some socio-cultural stuff and some spiritual stuff, you know, so I'm going to be bouncing around, you know, there's going to be a lot of bouncing around going on with the show. So I hope you guys enjoy that. So that being said, guys, um, that's all I have for you today. Uh, if you would like to have early access to any of my podcast episodes, please go to Patreon. All of these episodes get released many, many days in advance before YouTube or before they hit streaming services. So go check out the Patreon if you would like to support the channel and gain access to all of my podcasts that have not been released yet. So that's all I have for you guys. Um, hope you're all well and I'll see you soon.